Jadi. Welcome to Planetary Health First, Mars Next. It is going to be an amazing journey today. Hope you're ready for liftoff. We are live now. Well, it is awesome today here at Planetary Health First, Mars Next. We have an amazing special guest uh, and a good friend, uh, Ravi, uh, and he is working on I, I just don't think he can help himself on another startup. He is a serial entrepreneur uh, and he's got MD to his name and other, several other degrees, but he is right now founder and CEO of da Daytona Health. And that's going to be our focus today. Ravi, can you just help us out as the audience is here just to kind of give uh, us a little backdrop about you and add just a little bit before we begin the journey today? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Michael, so much for having me on. So Ravi Kamali Reddy, internal medicine trained, board certified physician, uh, also digital health, kind of serial entrepreneur, been in the game for a while before when it was called wireless health and M health. The, those of you, you know, kids of digital health who don't know what that means, ask your parents, they'll know. Um, anyway, um, co-founded several other companies and other projects and now have focus my energies to create a team to solve what I think is one of the most important problems in healthcare, uh, which I'd love to tell you about. Awesome. So this is reinventing healthcare from first principles. So what is this? Can you share a little bit about this and where, where we start on this one? Yeah, look, I, you know, Michael, I can do this. I would say I can do this in two ways, right? I mean, I can tell you about Daytona and give you that, you know, investor pitch, whatever, but I think would be more useful to, to, reorient us on helping us realize what the problem is. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are really good at telling you their solutions. And I feel like a lot of times what we're not so good at is saying, hey, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Like exactly. So when I think about that, I think about like this, what is it the thing that everybody wants in healthcare? Like, I think I need to make that an acronym and trademark it. Like the thing that everyone wants. My assertion is, that the thing that everyone actually wants from healthcare in their lives is what we would call health span. And by health span, I, I think the traditional parlance around this term is two things. It's like, hey, live longer, some element of longevity, and then another element of quality of life, which is like live well. I don't think that that definition serves us very well. I don't think it's specific enough to tell people what we actually want. So I wanna take a stab at telling you what I think most people actually want. And that then I can tell you kind of what we're working on and it'll make more sense. So, you know, to us, I think, you know, health span is really like three pillars, right? And and push back on me if you, you know, you disagree here. I think part of it's health. And when we say health, we mean, we all know that we want to delay, improve or reverse some of these chronic diseases that, we're, that are plaguing our society, right? So everything from obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, cardiac disease, if we just put those in one category of cardiometabolic, it's like, we all know we don't like those. We all know it costs us a lot of money, time and, and like longevity. And we know that most of it is preventable, not all of it, but most of it is. The second thing we want, though, is something that we don't think about a lot is connected to our health, but completely is, which is performance. We all want to be the best versions of ourselves at work. We want to be smarter, want to work harder, 
want to be able to lead teams, have the endurance to have the energy to, to just kick ass at the thing that we're passionate about doing. The third pillar I would say is like balancing those two. Like we're all trying to avoid burnout. We're trying to be better with our social circles, our, you know, our relationships, our love lives with our kids, et cetera. If you know, would you agree that like these three things are kind of like what we're all looking for? Yeah, I, I like this. It's, it, it, you know, I hear, I think of it as like that uh, slogan, but it's still like uh, kind of life work balance, but just sort of a good life, the quality of life and, and right. doing and being the best we can uh, within that yeah. uh, scope. So, and, and right. what does that look like in unpeeling that? Uh, yeah. And that, that's, that's like a life. That's like a dream life, right? Like there, and, and we all know people who somehow have figured it out in some way or another. They work really hard at it. But we all can think of people in our social circles, our friends, maybe some of our family, people we role model, who just like, they always seem like they're just kind of going after that. Um, when I think about this, it's like, you know, we should make no apologies for that's what we want. But when we try to match this up with like what the healthcare system gives us, it's like a complete disconnect, right? Like we're not getting hardly any of that from a healthcare system. So my point is, if you had a blank slate, a blank check, how would you rebuild the health system, not the healthcare system, with the right team, tools, and techniques to deliver what we would consider health span that we just talked about? How would you do that? How would you buy into that? What would be the business model? What would be the science behind it? What would be the structure? How would you interact with it? And that's what I just said. You know what? Let's just go make that. And it's going to be expensive. It's going to be non-scalable at first. That's a problem we'll figure out. And I have a very strong plan on how to do that. But I think we just need to show the world the prototype that like we can have those things and we can make them available and we can use the current technologies of digital health, wearables, AI, et cetera, et cetera, to make this come down to an affordable price to where the average person can afford it. Cause that's really our goal. So that's what Daytona health is. What we're trying to do is simplify the path to health performance longevity, really by combining what we would call precision medicine, which is really popular, but one side of the coin, but most importantly with precision, what we call behavior change. Because it's one thing to have the data to know what to do and what to improve. And that's what like, a lot of companies do now. A lot of people tell you to do. That's not enough. Like if that's all it took, right, we would all be in good shape. The world is full of too much data right now. Like, you know, we have wearables, information, thousands of hours of podcasts. I'm telling you what to do. That's not what people are struggling with. Most people are struggling with learning how to take that information, fit it into their lives and take the steps to actually act on it. See, That's see, when I, when I think of what you've shared with me, what the tone of health is and what your vision is, you're really bridging the gap to making it accessible. I mean, it's really healthcare should right. be something that we want, that we want to experience. And you're making right. it in a way through Detona, through our individual personal needs in order to uh, access it. And, and so real current healthcare, no one wants, I mean, I don't care how longitudinal or how sexy they make a wearable or this or that it's been really le left out to how am I going to benefit from it? And so, um, 
that every time I talk to you about uh, what you're doing, that that's what really gets me excited. Uh, that you are really bringing something uh, through your your um, you know high touch. Uh, I, I don't even believe it. It's like this concierge. Like, is this really healthcare? But it's like this is cool. So anyway, I'm going to stop there and let you go. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th I think it's like when you think about like if we all agree that's what health span is and if we all want, which is like most of us do want that. What are the barriers? Well, I think there's about three or four, right? So like one of them is. Okay, like I said before, the world is full of too much information. Education is a problem, but it's not the problem. Like we all know eating a tub of ice cream is not gonna get us to our weight loss goals. Like I don't think that's a mystery. And when we're doing that, when we're, we're doing the eating, um, which is me some nights as well, right? We know that. So it's like, the it's just, the world is full of too much information. And so like, how are people supposed to know what actually personally works for them? versus not and how to prioritize it. The second problem is things are scattered. I mean, like we know that like dietitians, health coaches, doctors, personal trainers, executive coaches are all important, but it's a lot of work to go try to find those things by yourself and to vet them, to see which ones work for you and then have to go through that process. It's just a lot of work. The third and very important thing is that even if you we're able to do those things, figure out the technology and the team, the tools, and you figure out the ones that work for you. Isn't the real problem that we're not all robots? It's that we're like, you know, somewhat irrational creatures. We're not homo economicus where we just uh, all just say, oh, well, we know we should go walk for 30 minutes. Like I know that. And there are days where I still don't do it. So it's about this problem that we're facing with health is really a problem of psychology and behavior science, not just data and numbers. And this is the part that's frustrating to me as I look at digital health. Most of digital health is just a bunch of gadgets. And the underlying premise is, if we give you enough information, you'll just make better decisions about yourself. Right. And is that true? Is that really what people are suffering from? I mean, I, I just don't think it is. So making a better blood pressure cuff is a good thing to do. But is that the barrier for people controlling their blood pressure? I never hear people talk about this part of it. Right. It's like, do we not have enough smart scales that are sold at every store in the world, including your Apple store and their CVS? Is that the problem for weight loss? No, it's not. So we have to think beyond data. We have to think beyond technology. We have to think about how people behave, what's blocking them. And some of those times it's just logistics, right? It's capability, opportunity, um, you know, maybe the knowledge, but a lot of times it's motivation and persuasion. And so what we're trying to do is build that kind of artisanal team of coaches and docs who are very skilled and not just saying, hey, you know, make sure to get that five minute walk per day. Like, yeah, I know, right? Like, that's not the problem. How do I tell you that message to fit in that walk? Or how do I help you take care of your life? So that walk becomes a default choice, right? Using a behavior change that works on your personality versus somebody else. That's the key. The thing is, regular everyday people know this, Michael. You know how I know? Because we all watch sports and we know what good coaching is like because we see sports teams and players we, like like in, use these resources 
And we all know that what good coaches do is to get to know you so well that they're able to adapt the plan to persuade you and motivate you in a way that's like effective. All we're saying is, can we reverse engineer their brains, bring that into healthcare, apply it to people, but also use technology automation to scale some of it? So that's really what Daytona is. So like the precision medicine part is actually, honestly, the easiest part. Using advanced diagnostics to figure out kind of your unlock your physiology and figure out what what changes in sleep, exercise, meditation, mindfulness, uh, you know, mindset, uh, uh, nutrition you need to make. That's not the that's not the complicated piece. The complicated piece is based on your personality and your traits. How do I persuade you to keep taking those actions week after week, month after month? That's the secret sauce. And uh, I won't say we've cracked it. What I will say is our team is getting exceedingly good at doing it with people. So I feel like if isn't this the thing that results in the better outcomes for the health span? So you're getting better at disease, better at work, better at home, and you're feeling better overall. It's like, can we wrap this up in a package and give it to people in their 20s? Can you imagine that? Instead of doing what we do now, which is you're on your own into your 40s, you got to go pick up these wearables, devices, expertise, skills, gym memberships by yourself. You may or may not stick with them. You get some disease, you start getting obese. Now you're hooked into the medical system with your PCP in your 50s. And that from then on is a slow moving car crash, right? It's like you're entering into the 10 mile long um, traffic jam, which is modern healthcare. It's like, look, I'm giving you an exit off that. This is like Google Maps. You know, when Google Maps is like, to save 30 minutes, take this exit now. Yeah. I'm like, that's Daytona. Take this exit now. I will I will make you avoid all that stuff. You may have to put in a little bit more money or a little bit more work initially, but I think it's a it's worth it in terms of I, I have a I have a question that I feel that um I know like uh, uh, silver sneakers utilizes a lot with the gym membership, getting older adults out and about, the community. I find that I have a like three things that I do. Pickleball, I do other things too, and, and bad things I'll do. But pickleball's one, surfing, and then yoga. And there's always someone that is connected to getting me there. It's a it's that buddy or that pal. And so um those are really good. That's my vegetables. That that's the food that I eat in my diet of activity. And uh I would love for you to unpeel that science there because I think right. that's something that I'm, I'm sure from a more scientific layer and then also from what you're probably doing it to, I'd love to know the science and the psychology in that. Right. Okay. So just talking about the specific examples that you mentioned, there is some part of the fundamental human condition where we need other people whether we admit it or not, it's actually almost pathology if you don't, right? And I want to make the case, I think I think a good example of this case is COVID. So, you know, think about introverts, people who need some kind of solitude and time by themselves to recharge. But even during COVID, when people were more isolated, it caused a lot of mental health and it still caused a lot of mental health, even amongst introverts. And the reason is, we are hardwired to depend on each other for social norms, for motivation, for perspective, to help uh, uh, create these tribal relationships where we're held accountable. 
where they see our blind spots. And I just mentioned like five or six different techniques there embedded in that whole thing. But you can see how the genus of social support really has all these different species I just mentioned. But collectively, that's just one huge technique to help you get to the pickleball court, to get to yoga, to get to those things that you know are important. There are like 200 more techniques in addition to this. But leveraging these techniques is part of kind of the science of behavior change and persuasion. We actually are very familiar with this because, you know, a lot of other companies use these techniques to get us to binge watch Netflix, to get Uber Eats instead of just going out and making our own food and do these things, right? So it's like all we're saying is can we use these techniques in a positive way? And everyone has different um, sensitivities to the different techniques and some people, for example, just don't like to be competitive. It makes them feel bad. They don't want to know that. Some people don't care about data. They don't want their blood pressure and their heart rate and all that stuff monitored. Why? Because it reminds them that they have a disease. And this is, I think, what sometimes digital people, digital health people need to get, right? It's like, no, the world does not want 1,000 Fitbits on your arm and, you know, the smart mirror, the smart toilet, the smart bed. We don't, a lot of people don't want that. <laughs> it's actually going to backfire on you. It's I, I, I'm one of them. I mean, I, I yeah. totally agree. It's just nonsense. You know, it's just yeah, so totally. I totally agree. Just make it simple. I, I, you know, so I, I really appreciate that you're you have such a awareness for reality, yeah, so for what's going got... on with the ecosystem of yeah. people and how people behave. And I think that's why I'm really excited by what you're doing. Uh, because in healthcare, it's tone deaf of a lot of these things, you know, with whether it's right. just because of it's reimbursable or, you know, it's 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 a misalignment with the payer and who's the, the payer, the user, and then who really, you know, versus the provider. So I really feel like well, I think it's, uh, I think it's so, well-intentioned. It's well-intentioned. Right. So I think I think the people who are providing these things just are all working under this premise of the rational human you know, what the economists would call the homo economicus model, which is like, I will always do things that make me better and maximize my potential and benefits. It's like, we don't really act like that, do we? Because of so many human biases. It's like the, if I just give Michael Mann more data about himself and his physiology, then he will be armed with the information to make better choices. And of course he would make those choices. Why would you not? But then, you know, like I find myself, I've said this before on podcasts, like there are times when me, um, I think I'm in pretty good shape. You know, I think I'm pretty. Uh, you know, I work I work hard to to be in the gym. There's still times I'm sitting there driving past the Taco Bell, thinking, "Can I just? Is it a good idea to go? You know, 7 p.m. on some days? I have to talk myself out of it." I think that these different behavior change techniques exist, no doubt about it. For and 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 they are they work in variable ways depending on your personality and your specific life situation. They tend to fall into a couple categories. One of them is habits. And we're all familiar with habits and creating new habits is important. The second, though, is uh, what I would say intention and willpower. There's no way of getting around the fact that building self-efficacy, agency, and willpower is an important part of making better decisions that are going to lead to better performance and longevity. The third is out-engineering your willpower and your habit system by changing your environment. That's important too. The fourth would be like social interactions and social support to help you out as well. And, and there, are, there are other categories, but um, you know, we can cluster these techniques. I think the important thing to think about is 
instead of thinking about the people who fail behavior change interventions or weight loss or whatever, think about the people who are doing it well and able to sustain it. Reverse engineer the high performers. What are they doing to maintain that lifestyle? And what they end up doing is not one or two things. They don't think food is medicine and that's it. Exercise is the key to lunch. They don't think that because I know that's not true. They know that all of these things have to be done. And an example would be if you're a Formula One race car driver. And if I came to you applying to be a driver, I said, and you said, well, what do you do really well? And you said, you know, you know, uh, you asked me like, well, what, what, what is your secret sauce? I'm like, I, I corner really well. You'd be like, well, that's not really good enough, right? I mean, you need to accelerate well. You need to brake well. You know the track well. You need to learn things quickly. You need to be able to pass people well. You need to know how to work with a team. So like real health performance longevity means you need to be building up your skills in all these areas. It's kind of crazy to me that the, the market is so scattered. It's like nutrition is the key to life. Here you go. I'm like, how could you coach nutrition and not fix people's sleep first? How are they going to make better nutrition decisions? How are they going to get better? You know, how are they going to, what, what about exercise? You know, so I see a thousand companies doing these like one-off things. And that's one way to create wealth is to do those things. I just don't think it's the future. It's like, if we all agree, remember, I come back to the beginning of like what we think is the future, what everyone wants. Don't we, don't you think medicine and healthcare is going toward an age of bundling? Don't we need to bundle the right teams, tools, and techniques in one manageable package at an affordable price for people? Let's just do that. Amen to that. Because I now I'm seeing another company selling Viagra for 87 cents. I mean, <laughs> come on. I don't even know the name, but it's like, really? Are we doing that again? You that's know? a deal. 87 cents is a deal. Yes, <laughs> and that's all I remember. But it's just like, what is this company? <laughs> like, gosh, are we back to, you know, anyway, it's like knee braces, a Medicare knee braces. Come on. And, and like, you know, there, there are ways to win in that game, right? From a business standpoint, from a VC or founder standpoint, you can win in a vertical. No doubt about it. Like, if you want to be a diabetes company and corner the market, and try to create a moat, you know, more power to you, I guess. I just don't feel like the future is really that. Like, I, I feel like, again, I always go back to first principles. What does everyone want? What What do we need to put together to make that happen? I think there are, you know, honestly, I think in digital health, there are two games being played. There are a couple of games, but let, let's let's think about it as through one axis. You tell me, you push back and tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong or not. One is, you can have a company with an app that does a vertical or whatever that has high churn. So let's think of two companies. Um, I don't want to name names. You yeah. know, we'll call it, we'll call it Moom and Redder Up. All right. <clears throat> but, but like you, you can have high churn, right? And you're like, Hey, well, you didn't lose weight. Um, you know, we cost $20 a month, whatever, you know, it's all automated. You're going to talk to a coach, but you won't. You will really talk, get coaching. And um, you didn't lose weight after three months? Well, that's your fault. You know, we gave you all the resources we can give you, and you didn't take the actions. That's one way to do it. And you can be worth billions of dollars. I don't think, though, 
may I'm just maybe, you know, me and I would say, I would speak for my team as well. We're not wired that way. We want the Amex model or the Apple model. And that's a very different model, right? So now you're just focused on the customer and you're like, we're like our team. And I, and I speak highly of my team because I'm just super lucky because they're awesome. They will go 120% to make our, our members happy. And they don't care about what it takes. Like if we have to fly out there to knock the food out of your out of your face, we'll do it, right? Like, like we'll, we literally do in on-site visits. But my point being, um, what we're trying Smashing to achieve- people in the face every time yeah, they go for- Yeah, it, it's, it's, we'll look in the, you know, we, we, we do an on-site business part of our calibration. We talk to the wife, we talk to the spouse, we talk, we look inside the fridge, we do the longevity testing on-site to build rapport. But I think our point is LTV, you know, customer lifetime value. We want you to resubscribe year after year. We want you to be an Amex member. We want you to be a customer for life. That means that we have to keep providing value and leveling you up in your health performance and longevity metrics and the metrics that are, are important to you. That's a very different model than Noom. It's a little harder, right? Your customer acquisition costs may be higher in the beginning. You have to build a base, which may take longer, maybe an initial, a higher initial investment. But I just don't, it's more how we're wired. I want to make the best product. I want to make the best service. I want to make the best thing that gives people value, not give them an app and then blame them and then and then count on my Excel spreadsheet on how much is going to churn out when it's like 80%. That's not helping when, anybody. When, when I hear what you're doing, it's like the, the classic customer delight. You're going with them on the journey. Like you're the Sherpa <laughs> and, and right step by step. And that's your special sauce in the evolution that's going to be I would your like, I would like to think that we are the angel on their shoulder. Everybody just needs this team, right? Like everybody just wants a team where they're like, having a bad day. Who do I call? Who do I text right now to just admit that like I had a bad day, I ate like crap because I was stressed out and I just, am I going to fix this? Am I okay? You just want someone to text, right? You want someone to call right then. You know, we want to be that, we want to be that service. You know, the, and, and you want that, you want that person to know you like, cause you want them to be like the Oracle, the matrix. Remember that movie, the matrix where he's like, Oh, what did the Oracle tell you? Like, and she's like, exactly what you needed to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, and that just takes time and, and, and data. And trust, huge trust. And like, psychological safety for that individual. Otherwise they're going to be lying. I mean, people lie, right? right. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And, and I don't, and and I don't mean any disrespect to the other, like I was saying, Noom and BetterUp obviously is what we're making fun of. Disrespect to them. I think they're, they're providing a service that can help some people. I just, I'm just, I'm after a different model. I'd rather be with you for 20 years, despite what employer you're working with, what health insurance company you're dealing with, you pay me directly and I don't serve any other masters except for you. I think that's a better way to do it. And that's the other thing that I was like, dude, this Ravi guy's got some serious, um, I guess, will or just like, that's what I'm impressed. Cause it's so easy to go to that coding or that healthcare system or that reimbursement. Like you're like going directly to do what is it's, like almost like is he for real this is he's this is like uh but it's it's so needed this is really what healthcare should be doing but it's well, that, that's the thing 
I, I think the code, I think you can go down that route of coding and that uh, embedded system and you can win. And like I said, you can create wealth there. But if we're in this for the long game, if you're really in this because you want to avoid all of like our nation living like the people in the movie Wally, where they're all being around escorted on hover chairs because they're too fat to walk. I don't want that. Right. Like if you think about like the dude, the, the things that keep me up at night, I mean, I'm serious here. Like, and not just me, our team, those, you ever seen those, like the survival graph, like the life expectancy curves of like current generation of people are like fatter, sicker, and going to live, you know, less long than people in previous generations. That's insane. So like, I, I just don't feel like going down the embedded healthcare employer ICD-10 reimbursement route is going to solve that problem. We need to re-engineer this system to get people what they want. And it just turns out that not, it's not just coaching and behavior change. It's that you have to move, you have to figure out what health means to people. And when you're going direct to consumers, a lot of the times it's not about blood pressure numbers, the number on the scale or lipid levels. It's, you know, you have to move the discussion over to something much more sticky. And that's how you solve the engagement problem. So the risk with direct to consumer companies, why VCs and other companies are always like, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is scary, is how do you get it to be sticky? Well, the way you get it to be sticky is to get to know people, their underlying motivations and drives and their psychology. And you make sure you hit the goals. You have to show them that by doing these things to improve health, they will hit those goals. And they'll be like, this is amazing. That's my hypothesis. It's been, uh, you know, we've had a great cohort of people where we've hit those goals and we've had those results. We will have failures for sure. But I do feel like that's what everyone wants. So where are you on the journey right now with your company? How long have you, like, when did you start and where are you right now? Yeah, this, this idea has been circulating around in my, in my head, like a lot of ideas, I guess. They're just kind of back there in the subconscious. Uh, but around 2014, you know, it was 2016 when I started getting serious about it and started reading every paper I could get a hold of, kind of just going into this OCD, let me do a deep dive in behavior change, why can't we do it, what's, what's worked, what hasn't, chronic disease. Um, and then we, we've been in private beta for about a year and a half and had some amazing results with our initial cohort of paying, paying members. We raised about a million in angel pre-seed just to get started. And I were able to hire and utilize an amazing team of experts. And now we're like, Hey, we've learned a lot. Let's go now. Let's go build software. Let's go scale. Let's go get more customers. Let's prove that this thing works at a larger scale and also start prototyping how we can use these emerging technologies like large language models to help us get to more people at a price that is more affordable. That's, that's my thing. So, you know, I would say we are at Tesla roadster stage, early adopters, you know, kind of a very specific niche. Um, but, you know, what we're creating is adaptable easily to the Tesla model S and what we're essentially trying to get to is that model three stage. Right. We want the elect like like, you know, Elon wants the electric future for everybody. And we want this health future, health performance, longevity future for everybody as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm I think the approach you're doing 
is so admirable and so rare. Um, you know, why do you think just, it's why do you think it's rare? I'm just curious though. I just I I think um what I'm hearing is like from the classic VC uh where they find that rare founder that's borderline on a mad scientist. Like you're like checking off all those boxes, you know, like when you hear like Andreas and Horowitz talk or Mark's talking about like those different traits, those, those, um, and I'm hearing that, not that I'm a VC, but I'm hearing that from the conversations I've heard. And, uh, so many companies that are founded, I mean, it's, you, you know, most, I hate to say it, that I hear take the safe route that they feel like strategically there's a direct path and it's safer and it's more or less me, me too or more of the same. So when I hear what you're doing, that's what I'm hearing is that you're really going the, the, the path that's almost I don't want to say insanity, but it's like the, a market that at this point, people really are, you're probably getting feedback where a lot of people are like, you, you know, there's a lot of dissonance out there on this. You know, the dissonance we get is not from the everyday person. What's funny is the average everyday person, when I pitch this goes, yeah, that sounds amazing. How much does it cost? That is the universal answer. I think that should tell us something. I think that tells us that the everyday person understands their lifestyle choices make a difference and they understand that health means more than just like a bunch of lab results. So the disconnect really is, why doesn't the healthcare system understand this or doctors understand this or employers? They do, right? But that business is benefiting them in a financial way where it's difficult for them to steer that ship and change course. So I just think trying to intrapreneur that system and change it is kind of like Elon Musk saying to Shell and Chevron, do you mind if I just set up a a charging station at your gas stations? They have the infrastructure. They have places everywhere. That would be an easy sell, right? Utilize these. He's like, you can't do that. You have to create your own model. You have to go around. The other point I would make, Michael, is what I'm saying is a long-term play, but are we really, like, isn't someone going to do it? Like, is any VC listening to this? Like, do you actually think that no one's going to do this? Someone's going to put all these pieces together and make it affordable and scale it. So my thing is, why shouldn't it be us? Yeah. United Healthcare. United Healthcare already, (laughs) they already have it in their garage right now. They don't want it, you know. I mean, right, that's yeah, really... yeah, they're, they're drastically trying to murder those people so those ideas don't get it's United Healthcare. Has, it's, it's the GM EV. If we use that electric car analogy, it's the GM EV one, right? It's like who killed the electric car. If you ever seen that documentary, it's great, right? It's like you did what? You invented this thing that were get rid of that, right? But, <laughs> you know, it's like so it's like it should be us. Let's yeah, just go I, do it. I love it. Come with me on this journey. Like, you know, people listening, yeah. come with me on this journey. It is doable. I have results, objective results. And it's like, there's something about, there's two kinds of founders, right? There's one founder that's like, can see things and do things that um, 
they may not necessarily use, but they know that society needs it. Um, those are really smart. I'm not one of those. I'm like the more practical, dumber founder. <laughs> I'm like, I like try to make things that I would use. This is something I would use that my family would use. I would re recommend my friends. Right. And, and like, and like, like, this is something you could use now. And, and I can guarantee you in a year, you will feel better. You will get better. You will be better. And we'll measure it. It's like, just make the stuff that you would use. I'm not so yeah. smart that I can see that stuff like that's I can't use, but I know it'd be helpful. I'm just... I don't know. I think that's kind of your like your humility. But I will tell you if this if you got if you hit it and scale it, my gosh, you are going to take a dent into healthcare spend. I mean, this is really what healthcare. This is the healthcare investment and the and and changing people's lives. You know. I think direct to consumer, you know, consumers, we're already consuming health, right? Like we're already paying for personal trainers, for gym memberships, for right food, for food delivery. We care most. And this is, I think, one of the things, the myths I'd like to dispel that I think a lot of doctors, unfortunately, have is that, well, people don't care about their health. Well, you may think that because you see them in very small increments of 15 minutes where they don't get a chance to talk to you, but they do care about their health. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay for health insurance, pay their premiums, pay their co-pays. But they just don't have the opportunity to tell you that or to talk to you. So it's like this is, you know, the average everyday person needs this team and wants this team. And I think it's 90% um, of people, I think, do care and want to invest and make a change. And nobody wants diabetes. Nobody wants to have high blood pressure. Nobody wants to have a heart attack and be on five meds for life. A heart attack is five meds for life. Screw that <laughs> i mean it's not worth it right well can you tell us a little more about your uh your um customers some uh you know testimonies or stories kind of what you've yeah, seen yeah sure yeah sure so think so right now like you know we're expensive we're concierge right now like i'll make no apologies just to just for that because we we need to prove this model out and we have a lot of resources that then think of our typical customer like late 30s, 40s, 50s, and early 60s. I would say the people we resonate with very well, and um, I say this and I'll explain it, I'll explain why that 44 year old female lawyer, you know, with two kids at home who's married, you know, and who owns a house and is, is just like the reason we, that person. Let's like transport ourselves into the mind of that person for a second. They are typically multitasking everything. They're taking care of the job, the house, the husband, the kids, the family vacation, most likely the finances. It's a lot. Now, that person does not have a knowledge gap that they need to exercise, eat better, adopt a better mindset. To them, these are platitudes. So me lecturing them and telling them, hey, you know, food is medicine. Like, yes, Ravi, I understand that. But I wake up at six and barely have a couple minutes to myself before I have to take care of everybody else. If you're listening to this and you're that person, like, you know what I'm talking about. And a lot of people who know people like this will be familiar with the story, right? How do we get them to reconstruct their schedule, their mindset, and their activities to where they fit this in in a way where it's sustainable? And that's where we come in. You can't just lecture those people oh, you should go for a 30-minute walk. They're like, I don't have 30 minutes, right? It's like, how do I get those 30? So that's a mindset shift. It's a logistics shift. It's a practicing new techniques and then nudging them to do those behaviors through different behavior change techniques we talked about. 
But it's like if we can get millions of people in those late 30s, 40s, and 50s to start making those differences, even losing 10% of their fat, going for you know 180 minutes of exercise minutes a week, we would make drastic shifts in our burden of chronic disease, our costs of healthcare, mortality, morbidity in this country. So I think um, it's those small changes getting to people at the time in their life where those things matter, right? They are at a fork, you know, we are all at a fork, in our, a fork in the road, whatever age we're at, but there's these impactful areas. And I think, I think Michael, a lot of people think I'm just too busy. I'm going to just, Michael, after I cashed out this startup, and I got 3 million in the checking account, then I'll go hire the trainer and do the things. But right now I just got to do the eight hours a week, eight hours a week. I'm like, you and I both know that's not true. Right. You and I both know that's not sustainable and that really the people who invest in these things early and can make them work are actually the ones who are more productive, who have better longevity, who have better cognition, endurance, energy, less fatigue, patience, resilience, all those things. So it's just like that is kind of where we're targeting now. But I would like to get people even earlier than that. We don't have to aim for perfection. You don't have to make every decision in your life, the healthiest one. What you have to do at the end of every month is just do the tally and say, we're making more better decisions than not. And I can guarantee every one of you listening, you will see a difference and you will feel a difference in your health. So I have a question up on the screen. I'm not sure what this is, uh, the context. Um, What are we afraid of? Um, well, I think so. There's several things, right? So let's think about this from a from a you know, will people engage? So like a, pra- a practical level, will people engage? Will they care about their health? And I think we we talked about this. Yes, everybody cares about their well being and their health. They may not care about their LDL number because they may not know what that means, but they all care about their longevity, their kids, their work, their performance, their energy level, all that stuff. The second thing is, will people pay for this? People are already paying for this. We just have to package this uh, in an efficient way where we add value to their lives. And I think that you know we can we can get a specific segment of the market now. Like I said, that Tesla go-to market, um, and then you know increase the TAM as we get more efficient and use automation and stuff like that. So I don't. I think I think the market's already proven that. Like we know people pay for this. There are huge direct-to-consumer companies, and plus, outside of healthcare, everything is direct-to-consumer. I mean, like you know. People pay for what they think is valuable, right? So I think that's one thing. The third thing is failure in general, just like we're, we're afraid of just failure or that it won't work, it's too big. And to that, I just, um, yeah, I, I have a weird, uh, I wouldn't say immunity, but like tone deafness to that. I'm just less risk averse than I guess most of my friends, which you could, call, you could say is foolish. <laughs> but like, I just, I don't have kids yet. And, and I just, when I, when we do probably within a year or so, like, I just can't, I want, you know, I know this sounds cheesy or maybe, you know, overly hackneyed or something, but I want them to be proud of their parents that we left something behind that they could use and their peers could use to keep them healthy and live longer than we do. I just, you know, I cannot imagine a future for us. What is what are we going to do? Like Elon Musk is going to take us to Mars? Are we going to have to create a diabetes clinic there too? 
like that's ridiculous, right? Like, how can we do these aspirational things for humanity unless we're healthy? So let's just get us healthier. Yeah. I mean, what 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 other problem is there to solve? I mean, there's also there's lots of problems, but like, what are we talking about here, right? And this yeah. whole mental health thing and physical health thing, that's a bullshit distinction. It's a distinction created by, you know, uh, reductionist medicine. The, 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 the mind is the brain. Everything we think about the mind is in this organ we call the brain. The brain is a physical organ. Every time you exercise, eat better, sleep better, you are fixing or I would say improving your mental health. These things are linked. You fix or you start to improve these areas of lifestyle and everything starts to get better. I firmly believe that. And there's evidence to support that, right? No, I love that. Um, everything is connected. I mean, exercise makes, I mean, I can tell you, you know, that's that's why I exercise. I mean, probably 80% of why I exercise is mental health, the feel better, the community. And, and um, that's why I do, you know, in groups. So I think I'm not alone. Most people are saying that. So why why are we stuck in this old model? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, a couple of reasons. I think one is, you know, we'd like to say the healthcare system is broken. So I think it's broken for some. It's working exceptionally well for a small cohort of people, right? executives, healthcare systems, insurance companies. It's actually quite profitable. If it wasn't, we wouldn't have it. So in other words, another way to say that is there are embedded incentives to make this current model stick, right? And there are a slew of middlemen or middle people, if you will, PBMs, the pharmacy, all of that stuff that are each taking a share of this money that people are paying with their premiums. So like they all have, they all have an incentive to, to um, you know, make this model sticky. The second is just change. I mean, this is a big change from, and people don't like change. It's really risky, right? So people are risk averse. Um, third, we do have a cultural problem here. And that cultural problem is, I think, probably goes all the way back to kind of our tribal nature as humans. Um, we always probably had like the village shaman. The current village shaman is the doctor, the flowing white coat, the scrubs, the, the name in cursive, the MD after the name. You know, we revere doctors in a way that is somewhat deserved, but in other ways is insufficient to get us to what those, remember that health span thing we talked about in the beginning. The reason I say that is doctors are a very important part of the puzzle but they're not good at helping us create the lifestyle changes in the place and the times we need it to get us to be rid of these diseases that are all related to lifestyle, diabetes, blood pressure, cardiac disease, stroke, obesity. That means that we need to be more open-minded to not using doctors as the gatekeepers or the end-all be-all of truth and employ the other members of this team that are just as well-trained and knowledgeable in areas like behavior science, psychology, therapists, health coaches, dietitians, personal trainers, executive coaches, life coaches, et cetera, et cetera. If we don't get those people in part of our team and think of them as health, we're not gonna make a dent in this. We cannot have MDs as gatekeepers. I'm an MD. I know the game. I've been through the training. I've paid my dues. I know very much about a very narrow set of things. It's almost like I'm a great astronomer with a pair of binoculars. 
right? It's kind of a very narrow view. But I need the other members of the team to shore me up in those areas that patients need, which is outside of when they see me in the clinic. In the same way that, you know, I think probably the most complicated sport in the world, I'm probably going to get some comments on this. It's, <laughs> it's probably American football. It's very complicated. And you have different coaches for the different aspects of that game. And you need those coaches. And the head coach, in some ways, is managing those different coaching skills. That's what we need to turn to. Not just be, oh, I saw my doctor. Oh, I'm paying for a concierge doctor. Oh, I got 30 minutes from the doctor. That's not sufficient. Just scaling more doctors is not going to solve this problem. And that's a cultural problem. So I gave you three problems there, my respecting old model. But uh, it's, that's, that's a hard one for doctors to to chew on, right? Because it, it in some ways makes them feel threatened a little bit. But we just have to be realistic about what the future is. Because remember to all the doctors listening to this, you're going to be a patient as well. And you would benefit from a team like this, not just seeing another doctor. So like, wouldn't you want your patients to have that too? Well, it's just refreshing hearing you share um, as a doctor about this. Because, you know, I'm a patient and I feel similar about this, a little frustration, you know, seeing the doctor and um, with the model. And so it's, it's, you know, always, you know, you add a lot more credibility as a doctor. And uh, well, it's just only in the way that I can do doctory things. But (laughs) when my health coaches come into play to, to prove my point, they're much better at persuasion coaching than I will ever be. They have, you know, much more experience. That's something that, do you feel like, I mean, do, am I, is that, is that point resonating? I'm just curious. I mean, is like, there is a little bit of an ego thing there and I, and I get why there is because doctors are being burned out by the system too. And I get their frustration and they feel like, Hey, I've been through a hell of a lot of training and stuff here. So I, I get their position too, but I just think that, I think that health is a team sport and we just need to start kind of recruiting those other team members to help us deliver the best outcomes. I think also there's a little problem because we still live in a sick care model. So it's kind of, we don't know where we're going. If there was a mission for healthcare, it doesn't really, it's like the political system, you know, the Republicans, Democrats, they're kind of struggling to actually have a real mission other than, you know, do nothing. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think healthcare struggles sometimes to, I mean, I'm kind of off on, 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 it's, sort of anyway i'm kind of out there right now on no, that I, one. I, I know i get your i get your analogy i i basically there's opposing forces and i think i think one thing we forget about you know it's like um the thing with the left and politically left and right versus all the in, in the red and blue it's like most americans actually don't live like that right they don't live on one one point on a linear line <laughs> that is left versus right how they live their lives you know, if you look at like things like the Hidden Tribes report, we're mixed. We yeah. mostly agree on most things, yeah. and um, it's like taking a hard look at what the reality is is different than what people think it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well put. Uh, well, we're kind of coming towards the end. Is there anything um, else that would be uh, very important that you bring up while we're here? No, I mean, I I, I appreciate the opportunity to share our vision and. Um, you know, uh, espouse our view of how we should change things. You know, like like I said before, um, you know, this is 
everyone has their own way of changing healthcare and moving the needle. And I, and I applaud them to go do whatever they, they think needs to be done. But I'm looking at this as the 30-year game, not the five-year game. And it's like, this is going to take money, time, and change. And what I would say is, one of my favorite movies, you know, Gladiator. You know, if you remember, <laughs> very violent movie. But if you remember Gladiator, he's like, you don't, the only crowd you need to win is the crowd, right? Like, like win the crowd and win your freedom. I don't want to have to please insurance companies, employers, PBMs, whatever the hell those are anyway. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> you know, these, these McKinsey's, the people I need to please are our customers, everyday people who sign on with a promise that we're going to help them with their disease, their performance, longevity. And as long as I get objective results and make them feel better, that's who we need to start thinking about. Not, you know, not this weird, I would, I say this in a reverent way, Reaganomics model that we have now, right? Like if I solve your employer's problems, somehow you as the employee will get healthier. I don't think that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to all start agreeing out loud that that's not really working. So yeah. I just want to solve your problems. Pay me, pay me for results. And how do, how do people get you? How do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, you know, can find me at ravi at daytona.health. Find a website, www.daytona.health. Um, find me on Twitter at R Komati Reddy, which is my first initial, my first name, and then my last name, which is a handful. Um, but um, I'm sure you'll put something in the description here or something. But or find me on LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm easy to find. Um, I respond to everything and everybody. So get a hold of me. Well, let's talk. And hey, if you disagree with me, I have another idea. We're extremely open to to entertaining it. I don't care about being right. I care about getting the right answer. So uh, let's talk. I love that. Well, we're wrapping it up. We've had a great day today on Planetary Health. Friends, it has been a great journey today on Planetary Health First, Mars Next. Follow us for more on Planetary Health First, Mars Next. Until next time, peace be with you.